You're listening to audio from the Decidedly Podcast. For more information, find us on Instagram at Decidedly Podcast. Went duck hunting this weekend. All right. Miserable. Late late in the season to do that. Miserable. Talk about a bad decision. Don't duck hunt in late January. <laughs> they shouldn't even allow... They shouldn't even permit it. <laughs> they should have the game warden... What, what made it so miserable? There's no ducks! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the place you go is usually duck central. I'm surprised. There's no there's... effing ducks in late January, and I knew it. My friends said, hey man, let's go duck hunting. I said, well... Okay, we hadn't hunted together all season, and I said, well, you know, based on everything I know about hunting, this is not going to be successful. Oh, you, t- you told them this ahead of time? Yes. I said, okay. one, it's late in the season, so there's not a lot of birds anyway. Two, the birds that are flying have been getting hunted for three months, so they're smart. That's right. You know, they're, they're a little skittish. Yeah, and we're not that good. They've seen all their buddies get uh, get yeah, shot. At. They've yeah, they've been at war for three months. Yeah, and okay. and so that that alone is not good. Um, they so we don't and, have and your, like, your skills. This was the first time you guys went out and hunted, so your skills were not not super sharp. <laughs> Sure. Well, it's not the first time I have hunted. It's the first time that we've hunted as a as a group this season. Right. Right. So, That's what I mean. So yeah, we're not like exactly operating as this well-oiled machine together, <laughs> the three of us. Right. But we, you know, so the ducks. There's not very many ducks. The ducks that you do see are very smart and aware. We don't have a good setup. Like we don't have really a good blind in this location or anything. So we, we are now more vulnerable to the smart ducks seeing us, which of course they did. And it has been cold here for like a week and a half. And so that cold front here has probably pushed a lot of birds. The ducks took off. Might've been here a week and a half ago. Right. It pushed them further South. And so I said, well, you know, (laughs) I mean, I guess this is a decision. I said, you know, I don't know. I wouldn't go, but y'all really want to go. And sure enough, not a single bird between the three of us. <laughs> got skunked. <laughs> Nothing. I think I shot one time. Oh, and it was miserable. mostly out of frustration. I was knew it, I had no chance of hitting it. Was it cold? It was freezing. It was <laughs> even awful. Worse. Even worse. It was awful. Oh, and I didn't even have waders. So. Why are you going duck hunting without waders? So, well, I, because I had committed to go. And okay. then I realized, since I hadn't been this season, I realized, oh, I threw my waders away last year because I had a hole in them. That, okay. which was a good choice because that is a good choice. You can't patch them. At, at some point, you just got to retire old equipment. You okay. got to go, right. hey, these okay. are 10 right. years old. I think I spent a hundred dollars on these waders. Okay. I got my, you know, $10 you, you a got year. Your, you got your money value for out of these. Okay. And so I didn't have any, which didn't bother me as I wasn't hunting. I just had other things going on this season. And then late, I honestly even forgot I was going. And then my friend texted me, goes, all right, man, I'll be there at 5 a.m. And I went, that was at like 7.30 on Saturday night. Oh, the, the day before. Yeah. yeah. And I go, oh, crap. <laughs> I got to go by waiters. I go to Academy. They have size eight only. 
kid kid, kid waiters. waiters. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so not going to work. I'm like, well, so the 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 only impact of that was like, you know, he has to do all the decoy setup, and he, if we had shot a single bird, he would have had to be the one to like go out and get it every time in the water. Right. But it just meant that we had to walk so much further because normally we would like walk through the water to get to where we want to be. And we had to walk around the entire like 15 acre lake (laughs) because I couldn't get in the water. So it was just miserable. It it sounds, it sounds like not a great, uh, not a great duck hunt. Yeah. But, um, you know, had a great time with my friends. Oh, perfect then. So it was all worth it. Perfect. Yeah. And afterwards, after the hunt, you know, we, what really makes it worth it, regardless of whether you get, birds or not is we go to the coffee cup diner in Heiko, right? I know you've been there. Yeah. Delicious food, even more delicious breakfast. They have, in my opinion, the best pancakes. Yeah. You know how some pancakes, they get really spongy and they don't soak in the syrup. And, and then some pancakes are really thin. Yeah. And so they, they're not spongy, but they don't soak in the syrup. Are you going to start a riff on pancakes now? I'm talking about pancakes. I don't know why you got to give me a hard time. (laughs) I have thoughts on pancakes. So what? Most of my discussions with you, sometimes they, they mostly veer into your, your, uh, attitudes on food. I don't think that's, I think you're overplaying it. I no, I am not. Most of our discussions veer into my attitudes on food. You veer, you veer into food. Give me one example. Uh, exhibit a right here. This one doesn't count. You pick a different example. I'm using it. Go ahead. Let's hear your. I mean, is it my thoughts on pancakes? Go with your dissertation on on pancakes. Okay. All right. I think you just wanted to try to make fun of me, and then you got embarrassed that you had no evidence (sighs) to back your claim. So anyway, the the pancake thesis is most pancakes are either too spongy or too thin, and in the great town of Heiko, Texas, they have found the perfect thickness yet absence of spongy texture of their pancakes. Okay. And they deserve an award for that. <laughs> okay. They're very tasty. All right. Okay. I'll yet, let you have it. Go with yet it. Yet very unhealthy. And so I felt poorly for the rest of the day. <laughs> I sat down over and I watched. I took a nap, which I do maybe so this, less this than whole, once this a whole year. experience just went south for you. It was not good. I mean, the, the mouth pleasure of the pancake eating was good. Everything other than that about the day, not good. Freezing my butt off to not shoot a bird, not good. Uh, Waking up at three o'clock to drive an hour and a half to get there at five to set up in the cold of the morning was not good. Uh, The stomach pains of eating the pancakes for the rest of the day, not good. In fact, I feel a little bit of it still this morning. Um, And Tom Brady lost. So it was just literally everything went wrong. The whole whole thing went south for you. I'm sorry. Um, but I made a, I made a, I made a rewarding yet poor health choice. And that was to consume those pancakes. <laughs> Speaking of health, is that a segue that we can stick oh, with? Uh, Are you okay go, with that? Segue? Go with it. Let's, let's, I know you have hard, you, you give me a hard time about my segues. Uh, so you see what I did. I talked I about, I don't give you a hard time about your segues. I give you a hard time about your lack of segues. <laughs> <laughs> you just, you just pontificate on some BS like pancakes Whatever. and then you try and roll and I brought into it to a discussion on uh, homeopathy. I brought it on health. Yeah. And it, so now it we're, makes we're, no we, sense. We talked today to a herbalist and homeopathic treatment expert, Sarah Hanna Silverstein, 
And we learned a lot about alternative medicine um, and how to make decisions about your health. So enjoy this episode and learn a thing or two from Sarah Hanna. I'm Sanger Smith with Sean Smith. This is Decidedly. Howdy. Hi, Sanger. Hi, Hi what Sean. What is this ridiculous hat you're wearing? I had to tell you, I, I just felt like keeping it on. I, my mom found this in her house from years ago, this cowboy hat that I'm wearing. She's like, do you still want it? I said, duh. And uh, so now I, I have it. And I just it just felt appropriate. I was in a Why in the world did it feel mood. appropriate? Why? Why not? I mean, Sarah Hanna has a hat on. Okay. And I wore a hat knowing that you were going to be wearing a hat. So I didn't want you to be the only Thank one wearing you. a and hat. And they're both right? black. They match. You've got like a beanie on. I've got, you know. The felt cowboy hat. I think that you're the oddball, Sean. I, I guess I I guess I feel out of place now not having a hat on. I was saying right was totally to prepared say. for you to sit in silence when we came on air. Uh Sarah Hanna, we, Sanger and I had uh, had a discussion earlier that he was gonna greet you when uh, when you came on uh the show and I and it was a big discussion that he did not want me to jump in and, and do it. And so I was totally prepared, Sanger, that you were just going to sit there in silence and wait and just make it super awkward. You, you got to here. Here's the the preface here is that we always come up with, OK, well, you know, starting out the conversation can be kind of the most awkward part because, hey, you know, how do we start it off in a flow that's normal? And about five times in a row, I said, OK, I'm going to start. Right. Sanger is going to start. Right. And then we'll get in there, and he's just so excited that he just takes it upon himself. So, <laughs> yeah, it would have been a funny joke I do so many, for us. I do so many interviews all the time. I've been through everything, so it's kind of hard to throw my brain in the wrong direction. So I'm here and ready to Fantastic. go, guys. Well, I was um, I was reading your book, and holy holy cow, right? The first, right out of the gate, you've got a pretty compelling story about your daughter. Um, I, as I kept reading, I just kept saying, oh my gosh, I hope she's okay. And then <laughs> you get a few pages in and she's, she's, she's fine. She walks. She's, she's good now. She's making a full recovery. Not, not a full, definitely 80% better but that's much better than was expected on any level. So it wasn't a perfect recovery. It's still in the process and she's still working really hard. I mean, one of the benefits I can say 100% is that thank God I had the knowledge and the connections of alternative medicine to help in collaboration with allopathic conventional medicine. That was really not taking her to her next step. So t tell Sean a little bit about what happened to your daughter. Sean can't read. <laughs> You've got the book. That's why. I, I, yeah, but no, I'm interested. Tell me about what happened. So in the beginning of the book, I talk about how my daughter was hit by a car, became paralyzed from the shoulders down, became a quadriplegic. She was a very healthy woman in her young 20s. And when we went to the hospital, even though I was a homeopath and a master herbalist, obviously this was not my specialty, becoming paralyzed. 
So we listened to everything that the doctors said and we did everything they said. And after a couple weeks, they said, well, we're gonna put her in a convalescent home and she's gonna be in bed for the rest of her life. And that was really tragic. My daughter was fun and funky and running around, high heels, you know, and I was kind of devastated. So um, she was in the hospital for 7.5 months and we snuck in through confessions an acupuncturist, a craniosacral therapist, a Feldenkrais therapist, a massage therapist, and behind everybody's back, we started doing a lot of intervention. And much to their surprise, she ended up getting out of bed, going into a wheelchair, from a wheelchair to a walker, and from a walker to a cane. So that was um, shocking to them. So they just said, miraculous recovery, miraculous recovery. But we saw that the intervention of what I like to call complementary medicine really got her to the next place that she needed to get to. I, I think that what you just said, complementary medicine, is um interesting phrase. I hadn't heard it before because my gut instinct is to be skeptical of most things. And I think that a lot of people their gut instinct when it comes to homeopathy, homeopathy, I'm saying it right, correct? I, I practice herbal botanical medicine and homeopathic medicine. Homeopathic both. medicine. I would imagine that a lot of people are are skeptical and you, you probably run into a fair people who share, a fair number of people who share that skepticism with you. But you're not holding it out as a, replacement for any sort of prescription medicine or surgery or anything, then, hey, we can we can use other sources in addition to traditional medicine. Is that a fair representation? Well, I wouldn't call our current medical outlook traditional medicine. I'd actually call herbal medicine traditional medicine, and I'd call our current medicine more modern, unproven, theoretical medicine. So let me talk for a moment about that so you understand. People have lived for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, and all we had was trees, roots, seeds, stems, leaves, and flowers. And we've lived for a very long time, and we've recreated, and plagues have come and plagues have gone, and human beings has have survived. So it was very interesting because I, I am constantly learning and I was listening to a master herbalist speak the other day and I am a master herbalist, which we can discuss. And he said, you know, it's really great to read in a book that Yerba Santa, that's the name of an herb, is great to expel muc mucus from the lungs. It's really great to know that elderflower can work as an antihistamine. But does it work? Like, it's really great to read it in the books. So I've had a practice of complementary medicine for the past 30 years. I deal with chronic ear infections, chronic strep throat, chronic miscarriages, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, um, many, many, many conditions. And what I've seen over 30 years of practice is that botanical medicine really works. And it really changes people's challenges in life. So if I hadn't seen it and had clients experience it, I could be skeptical. So here's what I have to say. If you break a bone, I think that current medicine is phenomenal with MRIs and x-rays 
and go get yourself an x-ray, go to an orthopedist and go ahead and get a cast. But then there's herbal medicine that can help knit the bone. I remember my daughter, we were in upstate New York in a bungalow. My little daughter, I think she was three at the time, was jumping on the bed. They were old, you know, bungalow type beds. I said, don't jump on the bed. Of course, she said, I want to. And the next thing I know, she flies off and she breaks her arm. So I'm not an idiot, even though I'm an herbalist. I took her immediately to the emergency room. She got an x-ray and she put on a cast. They said she was going to need a cast for at least eight weeks with the type of break that she had. When they x-rayed her arms at three weeks, they were like, how could this kid have gotten better so quickly? Like, I really think we could take off the cast early. And that was the blessing of botanical medicine. So we trained herbalists. I'm not talking about people that go to, you know, a weekend and become an aromatherapist. I did a five-year classical homeopathic program where we study anatomy and physiology, disease process, we learn all about the allopathic or conventional medicines that are used. And then we learn about botanical medicine so that clients can decide whether they want to use the statins for high cholesterol or if they're having all the side effects from the <laughs> insert of the medicine, they may want to tr use uh, botanical medicine. So we that are trained know that everything has its place in the world. But what I have seen after 30 years of practice is that when kids get chronic ear infections, chronic fluid in their ears, when you put tubes in the ears, it doesn't get rid of the fluid. It just moves the fluid from the, the eustachian tubes into another part of their body. As herbalists, we want to stop the body from producing that excess fluid. So what I want to say is that traditional medicine is herbal botanical medicine. What we've had with the advent of modern technology is we have ways to be able to look into the body and see what's going on. But sometimes that can be deceiving and you always have to ask the client or the patient, what are they feeling? What are they experiencing? Because you can look at a scan and say A, and they can really be experiencing B. And as an herbalist, we're treating the person, not the condition. And I think that's the most important thing. And I see Sanger, you have a question, but we're treating the person, not the condition. If someone has multiple sclerosis and you get 15 people in the room with MS, you're gonna hear 15 different experiences, 15 different symptoms. So we wanna treat what the person's experiencing, not what we call it. Sanger, did you have, did you have a question? No. Okay. So, so I, I do. So when we, you know, one of the things we want to do undecidedly is to look at sort of collecting the wisdom of, of people with a lot of different experiences, bring those in to be able to share that in helping decision-making, you know, across the board. So when we look at the decision around whether somebody ought to engage with homeopathy, uh, herbal medicine versus uh, modern medicine, how would you make the decision? Uh, it, it sounds like you're coming down on the side of, hey, this can always be an add-on. This can always be something you want to try in addition. But are there times where somebody is looking at an either or? I'm not, I'm not talking about a broken arm. I'm talking about looking at 
whether I use a statin or one of these things that you're you're advocating for? How do I decide which one to go with? Or is it a situation where I'd say, well, I'm always going to do this uh, herbalist add-on? So that's great. Let's jump right into the ability to make decisions that resonate with the person. So knowledge is power. And let's talk about a mom who at two o'clock in the morning has a kid that's screaming at the top of their lungs with an ear infection. And let's say you completely want to use conventional medicine, but you've given the baby Tylenol and or Advil and the child's still screaming. It's so important for parents, in my experience, to have different herbal, botanical, homeopathic options to help calm that child down and get out of pain until you can see the doctor if that's the decision that you're making. Another thing is, is that most of our doctors, if we're lucky, spend six minutes with us. And here's another decision. I'm a mother of seven children. I have a girl, five boys and a girl. And I didn't choose to go to the doctor that often, but when I did, I wanted their knowledge. And I knew that I only had six minutes with them. So I used to book a double session. So I'd get 12 minutes and I would kind of situate my chair in front of the door so the doctor couldn't leave. And I'd pre-write out all my questions so that I walked away with the knowledge that I needed. So what I find is that a lot of people get scared of their diagnosis or intimidated by what the doctors say and they shut down. So they're not really having the ability to decide what to do. Their doctor has them a statin, hands them a statin. And clinical studies show that if you take statins in and of itself, it may lower the cholesterol levels. But studies are showing that they have the same amount of heart attacks with people that are on statins and not on statins. And you can look up those statistics. So making a proper decision would be, okay, I'm taking the statin, but what else can I do if I want to prevent heart attack? And that's right now where I feel conventional medicine is not giving us the knowledge that we need. So in order to make the decisions that people need in their health care, I feel they need to be knowledgeable. And I'm going to give a great story. I'm going to give a great story. I had a guy that came to me because he had a panic attack. He was married. He actually not only loved his wife, but he liked her also. He had three you get that? He had three <laughs> kids. And he made a living teaching. So on the way to teaching, he had this panic attack. So, oh my God, he never had a panic attack in his life. So he went to the doctor and the doctor gave him anti-anxiety medicine. And he was still having panic attacks. And he went back to the doctor and he got a different medication, and he continued to have panic attacks. So he came to me and said, Sarah Khan, I don't really believe in alternative medicine, but all my sisters go to you. And So the bottom line was that I wanted him to get a full body massage. He's like, what? I'm not that kind of guy. I said, you've got all this tension and all this stress in your body. You're so busy trying to figure out what these panic attacks are coming from. I want a weekly massage. Why? Because we know that getting a massage lowers your cortisol levels. And you have a panic attack. Cortisol is your stress hormones in your body. You have a panic attack when your cortisol levels go up. So lo and behold, 
against everything he wanted to do. He went and got a massage weekly and came back and said, I feel calmer. So then I was like, great. Now you need to learn how to breathe deeply. Now, remember, he's on conventional allopathic traditional medicine of anti-anxiety and it was only doing very little for him so at the end of the day he learned how to breathe i didn't even feel like he had to meditate like just learn how to inhale and exhale he needed to have that confidence that when his body gets all tight he's gonna go get a massage and at the end of us working together for six months he had these incredible skills so if he was stuck on some island or all the electricity went out in the city and he couldn't refill his prescription or he ended up in the middle of the woods and had a panic attack, he had skills to learn how to lower his cortisol levels and calm down. So, so, okay. So, so something like that, getting a massage, lowering cortisol levels, learning to breathe and bring, you know, increasing oxygen levels. Th those are proven to have scientific beneficial effects. So we, a lot of the problem I've got is where somebody is touting something, there's not scientific evidence to back that up. And how do we decide what is something that is appropriate add-on treatment, like you just described, versus something that's just horse shit that, that isn't going to do anything? How does, how does somebody decide which, which path to follow? How do, you, how do you cut through all the noise that's out there? So what you really need to understand is in order to do a clinical double blind study, it costs at least a million bucks. Like it's a lot of money to give someone the medicine, give someone a placebo, have someone come in and check in and have people calculate and keep track of the results. Okay. So, I'm not, not a lot of those studies are being done with botanical medicine. So we as herbalists know that we love the studies when they're made. We have to see how those studies are being conducted. And excuse me, there's something called traditional wisdom and wisdom from generation to generation and culture to culture. And that's what I feel we have to start introducing back into our lives so people really have free choice. I'm going to tell you about one study. About 10 years ago, I'm driving in the car like a maniac. I've got seven kids. You know, I cut people off, give them the finger. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm in New York. You know what I mean? You have to kind of drive like that, right? So I'm kind of a tough lady. I'm doing my thing, taking my kids all over the place. And I hear this study on the radio that echinacea, which is a plant, it is used for colds and flu and to help modulate or regulate your immune system. In this study, it doesn't help lessen the symptoms. It doesn't shorten the duration. And as a matter of fact, echinacea doesn't do anything. I was shocked. I'm a master herbalist. That's not what I've seen for 30 years, but okay, let me look into the study. So Sean, as you said, how do we know it's not horse Shit, right? Or is it real? So I looked at the study and the study went like this. It was conducted at Harvard University. But what happens is people will rent out the Harvard lab and the Harvard staff. That's how they make money. So lo and behold, it was a pharmaceutical company that was financing this study. Number one. Number two was 
they gave echinacea in pill form. If you work with an herbalist, we use it in liquid form. Number three is they didn't tell you what the dosage is. And Sean, I'm only five feet tall, like 125 pounds. I think, Sean, you look a little taller than five feet tall, probably weigh a little bit more than 125 pounds. So the dosage that would be appropriate for you and me would be completely different. And during the study, they said you could take any kind of antihistamine or NyQuil cold and flu. So basically, Sean, the study was ridiculous. It was completely, completely ridiculous. But because they did it at Harvard and they spent the money, they could disprove that echinacea works. Why? Why is that the case? Because the American Academy of Pediatrics had put out a, a request to pediatricians to stop treating ear infections with antibiotics because they were getting with a lot of kids MRSA, which is an antibiotic resistant infection, which you can get from overuse of antibiotics. So what were people doing? They were coming with their kids that had a virus or had an ear infection. They went to health food stores and said, help. And they were asking people at that time that were making like $8 an hour in the health food store. And they'd say, well, I don't know exactly what to do, but take some echinacea, take some elderberry, and kids were getting better. So pharmaceutical companies basically freaked out because kids were getting better with botanical medicine. So they created this bogus study. So Sean, that's just an example of who's gonna spend the money to test an herb called lemon balm. It's in the mint family. Sean and Sanger could grow it on your windowsill. So there's not the porch. benefit of putting millions of dollars. There's not the financial reward for somebody to put millions of dollars into creating a study that benefit, you know, that touts the benefits of echinacea or elderberry or or, or any other plant that grows for free in, in my garden at home. Okay. Do you, yes. How much of the lack of scientific evidence is supported by that simple of an explanation? There's more and more studies coming out in countries around the world, like in Iran, where there was an embargo of pharmaceuticals from the U.S., Right now, Iran is actually coming out with a lot of double-blind studies on herbal medicine because they're kind of stuck. They really need to help their masses get better. So we slowly but surely are getting more studies that make Americans feel better. It makes American yeah. feel better. I would imagine but that most, most people, and it kind of reminds me of, you know, the vein that you're going down is that you, there's not a blanket treatment for every single issue that you could ever have. You've got to treat the individual. I really like that. It reminds me of the conversation that Sean and I had on the podcast with Dr. Emily Oster, who did, if you're not familiar with her work, she did a lot of research in determining what, um, what techniques, I guess, and what decisions parents need to make when they're raising infants or when a woman is pregnant, when they're raising toddlers, what things work and what things don't, because there's a lot of noise out there. And every single person who's ever been pregnant, given birth, raised a child has an opinion on what is best, you know, should you breastfeed or not? Or should you, you know, swaddle your child or not? There's so many different things. And she kind of parsed through the data. And essentially one of her, one of her overarching conclusions was 
that you can't just accept every single rule of thumb. Rules of thumbs, rules of thumb are good in helping you determine direction, but to make a decision, we've got to really parcel through the parse through the data and and make a decision for each topic. And that's not the answer that we want to hear. We want to hear that there's a guidebook, that there that there's black and white rules for everything that I would ever want, that I can just look up an Excel spreadsheet and you know, lick my finger, thumb down through the list to find in alphabetical order the particular issue that I'm being faced with in this moment. And bam, right there, there's the answer. The reality is there's, you know, a myriad of, of variables that come in, whether we're talking about a health issue, a parenting decision, whatever it is, it seems to me like a big problem that we have in seeking or finding the best treatment option is something that you mentioned earlier, right? Your doctor spends, you know, six minutes with you and that's it. And, and th- because of that, they are forced to kind of put you into a box and say, okay, well, you have this issue therefore, bam. And, and I think that that's why you're seeing the rise in, um, I'm sure there's a more accurate uh, and more widely adopted name, but I call him the country club doctor. You're paying for like an annual membership to go to a physician who's going to be able to spend more time with you and be able to craft more personalized um, advice and, and and solutions. And I think that that's good. I, I'm I'm struggling to see what the solution is for people that either don't have the ability themselves, whether they don't have the time, they don't have the knowledge, they don't have access to insight and expertise to be able to get that personalized advice. Um, or maybe they just can't afford it. What are those people doing um, short of becoming a <laughs> homeopathic expert and, you know, an, an herbalist themselves? I'm so glad you asked that. <clears throat> so I happen to be an international board certified lactation consultant, and I've helped over 35,000 babies breastfeed. And I guess lecture at medical schools and medical conferences across the U.S. So I'm trained in conventional breastfeeding medicine. So I spend an hour and a half with each client. So there's a certain amount of fluid each baby needs to take in at their weight and their age. And there's a certain technique that's going to work for almost 99% of babies in order to coordinate suck, swallow, breathe. So I'm proficient in that, Sanger. I know exactly how much the baby needs, how to train a baby to coordinate, suck, swallow, breathe. And I'm actually an expert in that. But where I differ is that I spend an hour and a half with each baby. And I know whether this baby has reflux, this baby's having some digestive issues, this baby's a little stubborn, this baby's a little aggressive, this baby's a little passive. The mother, maybe not so coordinated, maybe not so smart, maybe brilliant, maybe wants to ask 100 million questions. So I have this medical foundation, and then we individualize it for who they are, what they can do, what their strengths and weaknesses are. So going back to your other question, I wanted to say that, so there I have that medical foundation with understanding that each mother-baby diet is going to be unique and I have to formulate a plan that's going to work within 
their lifestyle. Are they a city slicker? Are they out in the country? Are they on a farm, right? Are they in a village? Perfect. So next question about what if you don't have the time? What if you don't have the finances? So that's one of the reasons I wrote my book, Mootopia. My book, Mootopia, is a book about the benefit of herbal medicine for emotional challenges. And what I did was I went plant by plant with describing what family it's from, how you use it, how you use it as an individual herb. Is it for frustration, anxiety, depression, um, gloominess, right? So there are a lot of resources out there to help people that are struggling. Now, why did I write this book? Because I had a lot of women and men that were on Clonopin, Zoloft, Wellbutrin, diagnosed with emotional challenges, and they just weren't getting better from the medicines, Sanger and Sean. They just weren't. I mean, they were got out of bed. They weren't depressed anymore, but they weren't enjoying life as much. And I saw after many, many years that when they included botanical medicine in their life, in even tea form, like just making a cup of tea from rose petals. Roses are all edible. I wouldn't eat them from your florist, but they're edible. And roses are for people that feel like they have a broken heart. So especially in our life right now of chaos, right? People lose their jobs, relationships crumbled after people lived together, you know, in isolation for a year. Other relationships thrive. So if you feel like you're going through a broken heart, the knowledge of including one or two cups of rose tea into your life is not against the conventional medicine, but can be in addition to someone's life. So what I want to say is everybody should find one or two people who they research see that they're well-educated and follow the books that they write or like I'm on Instagram. You could follow me on Instagram. And if you like their outlook, then you can include that in your life. Cause I agree with you. Not everybody can afford to go to an herbalist, but back to decisions. If you decide that the medical care you're getting is not up to par, you don't feel you're being treated like an individual you don't feel like you're being listened to, a decision may be to spend money with an herbalist. And our whole goal is to empower the individual to know the botanical medicines, the botanical plants that seem to fit their makeup. Are they dry? Are they very moist? Do they get sinus infections? Do they get urinary tract infections? Do they have lower back pain? Do they have joint pain? And once you learn a couple botanical medicines, plants you can bring into your life, they're yours for the rest of your life. So I'm actually in the decision making. I'm going to empower someone to have a couple choices that they can grow in their backyard or on their windowsill. Yeah, I, I love that. You know, I went the last time I went to a doctor, I, I had a sore throat. It was bothering me for like three or four days. And everybody I talked to on the phone said, don't call me back until you go to the doctor. I said, oh, okay, fine, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I really didn't want to go. Bad. So, I, you know, I, I just went to the urgent care down the road and I walked in. 
after waiting for, I was there 20 minutes before they open, uh, but I still had to wait 30 minutes to see a doctor. Then the nurse comes in and, you know, she does my blood pressure, all this, asks me a few questions. Then, you know, another 30 minutes later, the doctor comes in and he goes, okay, let me see your throat. Ah, okay. Yeah, no, it looks like strep. Um, it's probably not COVID or, or it doesn't look like strep. It's probably not COVID. It's probably just some, you know, other bacteria, probably laryngitis. And he goes, but um, do you want to test for strep? And I go, I, I don't know. I, I don't have any of the information. <laughs> I don't know what the pros and cons are of my answer to that question you just asked. I go, what are the risks of me having strep? And like, what would happen if I had it and we didn't test? Oh, well, then that would mean that the prescription that I give you today wouldn't work, wouldn't do anything. I go, huh? Okay. Well, does it cost me any money to test for strep? No, it's free. Well, how long does it take? to get the results, um, like five minutes. Um, is it painful? No. Well, it seems like you could have just answered this for me. <laughs> There's no downside to this. Okay. Yeah. Make decisions. <laughs> yeah. Just then how about you just do that? And then he goes, okay, well, do you, um, do you want to test for COVID? And I go, uh, why? Like, again, same questions, right? What would you do differently if I was positive for COVID? Oh, nothing. Okay. Uh, then, then no, I guess. And then, then he goes, okay, well, we'll give you a, uh, we'll give you a shot. Right. I go, okay, what's the shot? And he goes, it's like a steroid shot. It'll help you, you know, get better. And so I said, well, um, all right, fine. They, they go bring in the nurse the nurse gets the steroid. She comes in, she goes, Hey, do you, um, do you ever like pass out when you get shots? And I said, well, no one's ever asked me that. And that's probably why I've passed out so many times. Uh, but yeah, I have. I have passed out before. And she goes, oh, well, then do you want to just do the pill? And I go, there's a pill option? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I go, well, well, I guess. But what again, for the third time, what are the pros and cons here? And she goes, well, it's just like it's the same thing, but it's a shot or a pill. I go, that can't be the only difference how what's the cost difference oh um i think they're both they're pretty much the same maybe the pill's a little cheaper i go okay so t you know score one for the pill i said was there a big delay and how long it takes for them to work and she goes well the shot will start working in 30 minutes and the pill will start working in two hours and i go okay so basically no what do we do like you know give me the info but instead, I had to ask every single follow-up question, and it was so frustrating. And I don't know how much of it is because they aren't able to build a relationship with their patients. And so, you know, if you're, if you're doing that all day long, you kind of have to just leave. I don't know. I don't know. I well, mean, it, I guess it, it some of it can be— like the one of the one of the upsides when we look at uh, herbal remedies— it would seem like one of the upsides is that very few of those are going to have uh, negative, specific negative effects to that. So why not try it, right? How many times do you come across where there are negative effects? I mean, obviously, if I'm going to eat you know, roses, like you said, like you said I guess maybe there's there's not a lot of negative effects to eating some of these things that are in the 
menu that you would offer. I mean, clearly there are negative effects if I just walk out in the woods and start, you know, grabbing things and eating them. That that, that could go south pretty quickly. Um, but my guess is the offering that you're going to pull from, the menu that you're going to show me, <laughs> is not going to have any negative impacts for somebody for treating something like high cholesterol with some herb that's not going to screw up my eyesight or something. I, I wouldn't think. Are, are there things like that or am I missing it? No, I got it. And Sanger, did you ever find out whether you had strep or not? I didn't, thankfully. I had <laughs> yeah, I had laryngitis. I still don't know what that even means. But I took the, you know, I took the pill and Wait, I was What do you fine. mean you don't know what having laryngitis means? It means you had laryngitis. Well, because somebody asked me and I, I was, they said, what did you, what do you have? Like, you know, you, you, you have a sniffle and these days and people will run out of the room, right? So I was getting that question a lot. Oh, you don't have COVID, do you? No, man, I have laryngitis. And they go, what's that? And I said, uh, like a throat infection, I think. Somebody didn't know what laryngitis was? I did third grader. You don't know what laryngitis. What is it? Okay, how, how, what is it? It's a it's a thing that you get in your throat. Yeah. So it's shut up. You don't know. Throat. You've just heard the word. You don't know anything. Causes inflammation that causes your vocal cords to get inflamed, and that's. I think it's you, cool. You I think it's nice that you figured out how to use Google right now. I'm not, I'm not a doctor, but you I just googled that you, while you were I while you were reciting. I didn't. Mm-hmm. Okay, you heard of la- you'd heard of laryngitis. I've heard of it, but describe it. Just you know, you. That was my show. No, you failed. I didn't fail. That's what you're talking about. That's all my point. I love it. Is so, Sean. I'm I'm going to answer your question in a second. Okay. But I want to say one thing, Sanger, that when you work with an herbalist, they get to know everything about you because they're spending an hour and a half, by the way. And one very important thing, again, about decision making, because that's the basis of the show, is that I would have my clients test for strep. If it's positive, I'm only going to work with them if they're going to go back two to four weeks later and recheck for strep. If I have a client with a cyst and we're going to treat it naturally, the only way I'm going to work with them is if we have that CAT scan or sonogram and they recheck it three months later to make sure it goes away. So, you know, we're not having that kind of care also, Sanger, because nobody called you back to say, hey, but it's yeah. two weeks later. How's your laryngitis doing? So they don't even know if it works. And one thing herbalists are very God, that's OCD such a good about <laughs> is to see, are you doing better? Are you feeling wow. better? Are yeah. you having less pain? So we're very into, you know, it was so funny because when I had COVID, we're not going to talk too much about COVID. Sean, I'm going to go back okay. to your question, but. Because I'm in New York City, they'd call up and say, okay, it's it's quarantine day number seven. Are you? That was when we had to do 14 days. Are you still quarantining? And I said, okay, so my throat's hurting me. My body's aching me. I'm feeling really exhausted. And I've got this really bad taste in my mouth. They were like, okay, we're, we're not calling about that. We want to make sure you're still quarantining on day seven. I'm like, well, no, no, no. Let me explain it to you. So it's really hard to swallow cold drinks. I'm feeling better with the water. They're like, and I would never answer them because you got to ask me how I'm feeling. It's seven days later. Don't you want to know how I'm feeling? So that's kind of missing in our care. And that's where herbalists shine. So 
We want to know if this plant's not working, man, we're going to another plant. If that plant's not working, okay, maybe we need to go to antibiotic. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're very into seeing that it's making physiological changes or because I wrote the book, Mootopia, is it having emotional changes? So Sean, here's the bottom line. Someone can get hives from strawberries. I never have. Someone could get a headache from drinking too much black tea. I never have. So Sean, what I've seen after 30 years of doing this is I haven't seen very many side effects. So when we start with a plant, we usually start slowly, have it in your body for a couple days or two, unless it's like the worst strep throat in the world, then we're going to be a little more aggressive. And I really see that when you're using plant medicine, your brain reads it as food, takes what it needs and dispels what it doesn't. So I'm not seeing side effects. Let's say someone has a chronic sinus infection and I'm going to give them three herbs. I'm going to throw out these names. You don't even know what they are. I'm going to give them Eyebright for the fluid. I'm going to give them Yerba Santa for the excess mucus. I'm going to give them Ocean to, OSHA to help clear it up. And I'm going to give them some Never Usnia. heard, never heard You don't know those. these names, but I do. Right, right. Well, we could do another show on those exact, right. <laughs> no. So if after five days and they're not getting better, then I'm going to switch up the herb. Okay. But I, in my practice, because I'm well-educated, again, I didn't do a weekend Instagram course, and I do love Instagram. I love my page. I love hanging out there. But because I'm well-educated, I haven't really seen many side effects. And if it's not working, let's move on to the next group of herbs. So it's interesting. When I use herbs, in my book, Mootopia, I talk about single herbs. But when I give an herbal mix to people, because people are so complicated, they can be happy or sad, lonely or confused. They can be constipated. They can have reflux, right? They can have some joint pain. Since people are, excuse me, so complicated, I use a couple herbs together in the same bottle. It's like a jazz band. There's a symbiotic relationship. Like when you have a jazz band, like, saxophone's great it's even more exciting if you have a little keyboard keyboard's great but you have a little drum and mixing together has that great sound so we know that with herbal plants think about it this way also you make a salad you put a little olive oil great add a little balsamic vinegar yum add a little bit of garlic and onion delicious maybe a little cayenne pepper so the mixture together helps it be more exciting and delicious so the same thing with herbal medicine. We use a couple different herbs together so that we really hit all aspects of the person. And that's individual care. So if Sean came to me with a sore throat and Sanger came to me with a sore throat and we called it laryngitis, Sean's symptoms may be he has a dry throat. Drinking cold is horrible. Hot is the best thing. Sanger could have a sore throat and he feels like he has excess mucus and he's just craving cold drinks. So then I would give different combinations for the same title of laryngitis. I I can absolutely agree that personalized advice is, is the number one benefit to improving decision-making, right? Um, And that's missing from a lot of people in a lot of areas of their life, whether it's their physical health, their financial health, 
et cetera. Um, I see it a lot, right? In, in my practice as a financial advisor, I'll have somebody come in and they've got a question. What should I do here? Should I refinance my home? Should I, you know, how much should I be saving towards retirement? Whatever it is. And there's always, a, you know, a rule of thumb or a general idea or a, a broad sweeping prescription, so to speak, for whatever problem they have. Almost never do we do what that exact rule of thumb is because they're an individual and they have their other decisions that they're making at the same time, other factors that are important to them that they've got to also weigh against the opportunity to accomplish this particular goal. They've got their unique emotions, right? I know how they react to certain things. And I can say, for example, yeah. Maybe you should, maybe for most people, refinancing their house would be a benefit, but you freak out about the thought of having a mortgage. And by doing this, although you would save more money in the long run by refinancing, you would extend it by a year or two. And so I'm going to recommend to you that you don't do that because it's probably worth the money to have that behind you, for example. And that's not something that I could just say without knowing them for building a relationship for a long time and understanding how they think, how they react to certain things. And it sounds like that that's what herbalists have to do in order to be able to effectively provide the best advice possible. Say, okay, well, let's look at how Sanger reacts to this particular issue. What's most important to you? Is it the pain in your hip or is it the price you got to pay to fix it, <laughs> right? What's the most important thing? And then also, what are the other things that you're balancing? Because oftentimes when people ask me questions, it's never just about that one question, right? We can't isolate the issue of can they afford to buy you know, a new Porsche or not. It's all of the other things that we've talked about doing. It's not a question of whether we should invest in this particular strategy or not, or they, should they or shouldn't they buy rental properties? There's so many other things that are at play and their own temperament, their own behavior patterns, their own cognitive biases have a huge impact in whether or not I'm going to recommend that they pursue that particular avenue because they're other decision-making patterns and behavior beyond the yes or no that we're going to have to make right now is going to greatly determine their rate of success. Sanger, I love that. And what I want to say is if we go, it's, it's perfect, perfect example. So let's go back to your visit at the, at, at the urgent care for a moment. So an herbalist would have said like this, Sanger, my suggestion is that we take a strep test right away. It's called a quick test. We'll know within five minutes whether you have strep or not. The second thing is, let's just test for COVID because one of the, the um, feelings that you can have with the on early onset COVID is a sore throat. Then I would have said as an herbalist, look, here's our choices. If it comes back positive, for strep, I would suggest an antibiotic. If it doesn't, and also your COVID test is negative, we have two choices with the steroids. We can either give you an injection, which can go into the system faster. Yeah. And anyways, so 
just like you said, with the finances, people want to know what their options are so they feel part of the decision making. So when I spend time with a person, I want them to feel that they're making decisions also. I'm going to lay out the information to the best that I can. For instance, is Sean the type of guy that likes to drink tea? If he's not, then I'm not recommending a tea three times a day. I'd probably recommend a tincture, which is an herb in a liquid form, because he can just pull it into the dropper and pop it into his mouth. Let's say Sanger is the type that likes to make things. He, 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 he likes to feel like he's part of it. So then I may teach you a way to take an herb, diffuse it in some vodka, diffuse it in some honey, so you feel part of the process. So when it comes to our personal health, and if you want to empower people so that they feel they're part of the decision-making, then you want to educate them to their level of understanding. So if Sean has this super high IQ and he really gets everything really fast, then I'm going to sit down and explain to him what are the components of this plant and why I feel that it would benefit his entire body. If I've got someone else who's like, oh my God, I've just got to go get a manicure, get my false eyelashes on, just make the decision for me, Sarakana, then I'm going to say, okay, I'm making this decision because even if they're not as interested in learning things. And really, when a person understands both things, for instance, let's say Sanger's got an ear infection, even as an adult, and he's flying to Hawaii tomorrow morning. I I just had this with a woman the other day, and she was flying to Florida. And I may say to Sanger, you know what? I know you want to use alternative conventional complementary medicine, but Sanger, you're on your way to Hawaii. You don't want the pressure in your ears when you're flying up in a plane. Just take an antibiotic. Go have a blast in Hawaii. I wouldn't dunk in the water for a couple days. When you come back, I'll give you some herbs to build up your immunity after you took an antibiotic. Then Sanger, I feel you'd feel more empowered with your decision making. I am taking the antibiotic. I want to have a blast in Hawaii. But you know what? I don't want to get another ear infection as an adult three weeks later. Then you'd come to an herbalist like Sarahana and say, okay, what do I do to build up my immune system? Is it now making more sense how botanical herbalists work? Yeah. Um, no, that makes all the sense in the world is to be able to say, okay, hey, you know, not every decision is just, well, let's look at the chart and figure out what issue you have. And then therefore you take this pill and you're good. And it can't be that simple. You know, I and, was, uh, and I think we, go ahead, Sanger, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, my follow-up to that was that Maybe our desire for the utopian uh, reality where we can do that <laughs> is why we're dissatisfied with the results, because, of course, it doesn't work that way. Well, I, so, so I was talking with somebody the other day who had read the book by uh, Michael Pollan, Food, Food Rules. And so as you were, as you were talking Sarah John, that about dealing with a lot of these ingestible herbs you know, that, that can be helpful. So I was thinking about that book, Food Rules. And, and basically what this author did is broke it down, his, his advice into three categories, which was to say, uh, you know, eat foods, mostly plants, not too much. All right. So he simplified a lot of the advice into these three components, these three principles, essentially. As you think about in the, in the work that you do, are there 
three rules I could take away from the, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but, but if you were to say, all right, here are the three things to, to, to deal with that can help people make great decisions around exploring homeopathy, for example. Homeopathy is a little different than herbal. We've been talking more about herbal. So I would say find three plants, Sean, that resonate with you and the challenges you have. Familiarize yourself with just three plants. If you're the type that gets sinus infections, if you're the type that gets indigestion, find those three plants that are easy to integrate in your life. The second thing I would say is do a little research Find an herbalist that you feel comfortable with, whether it's me, Sarahana, or someone else. Read a little bit of their research, <clears throat> their approach to, and I don't even want to use the word healing. My, my thought is how we can feel as balanced as we can in this crazy world. And my third advice is to always ask a lot of questions to your doctor when you do need a doctor. Meaning, write out a very clear list. So when I go to a doctor or take a child to a, lit, a doctor, I say, before we begin, I have seven questions about the challenge I'm going through. Are you able to let me go through my list? And if he says, I don't have the time, then I'm walking out of there. And I choose only doctors that will allow me to ask the questions so I'm as educated as possible with my challenge. So number one, find three plants that you resonate with. Number two is find one or two people because it's hard to get information. You read this article online, that article on Instagram. It's very hard. Find one or two or three people you feel you like where they're at. And make sure your doctor in the conventional world is one that will allow you, instead of six minutes, maybe 10 minutes to ask those questions, get those answers. And I think if we all did this, we'd feel empowered. And since you are in business, Sanger, one of the things I wanted to say was before COVID, I had a lot of businessmen that would fly to China. That's what they did. And they were always a little bit afraid if they got a migraine or got something else in China, A, they don't speak the language, B, who do they trust? Yeah. So they would always travel, by the way, with one tincture, which is an urban liquid form, one tea, and maybe one powdered herb. So this was so easy to travel with. And all they had to do was send me an email and say, oh gosh, Sarhana, like I'm feeling a little bit nauseous. I must have eaten something that didn't resonate with me. So my clients always traveled with cinnamon and capsules. Cinnamon and capsules in studies can kill E. coli bacteria and salmonella. So if you're traveling to Mexico and eat something or drink some water, you're not doing well. You've got some cinnamon to take. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. They would also carry some black charcoal. Also, if they had stomach problems. So this is empowering people to make that decision. Let me try the cinnamon for the next 12 hours. I'm in China. I'm in Mexico. I'm in the Middle East somewhere. If that doesn't work, I'm going to struggle to find a doctor that speaks English. So for me in decision making, 
having having tool to explore is vitally important to giving people strength, empower them to make decisions and let them feel more confident as they go through our lives. You know, I didn't think that I had ever tried any homeopathic remedies or any herbalist remedies. But then I looked literally right behind me on my desk and I remembered that um, one of my employees saw me sneezing one day and she ordered this Texas cedar fever drop thing. And I picked it up because it looked like what you were holding when you showed what your clients travel with. And it says right on the front, homeopathic. So I guess I'm an, yeah. I'm an adopter and a believer. Yeah. And that's so easy to travel with. Your your listeners can't see it, but you can stick it in your pocket, in your backpack. Oh yeah, it's smaller it's than a smaller than a pill bottle. And it's something that you can try right away. And so that's what I like to encourage your listeners to understand that when you work with a a educated herbalist someone who really has done her homework and gotten the education. We're not against going to the doctor when we need it. It's just, what can we do if we're kind of in between? If you have 105 fever and you're vomiting profusely, obviously go to the emergency room. But if you feel that headache coming in, you feel you're having a little bit of allergies. That's where botanical medicine shines. Because antihistamines can make you have dry mouth. They can make you have sleep issues. They only work for 12 hours. The second the 12 hours ends, boom, your eyes are itchy again. But if you take an herbal medicine like freeze-dried nettles, it's two capsules three times a day. My clients find they don't have any of those side effects. They may have to take it a little more throughout the day. But if they take it right before the allergy season comes, their decision is, I'm going to take my nettles and see if I have an easier allergy season. So that's what I want people to know about because it's all here for us. You know, I live in Brooklyn, New York. And when I first started learning herbal medicine, I was in Midtown Manhattan and everybody was like coming from Westchester County where it's gorgeous. I don't know if you know the area coming from Connecticut in these gorgeous, rural, beautiful areas. And I'm like a Brooklynite. And so she said, if you want to heal a person, see what grows around their house. So I stomped over to her in my high heels right after class. I'm like, really? Have you been to Brooklyn? Well, we have fire escapes. We have concrete. <laughs> we have cars. we got lots of dog poop. Like, which are you expecting to be the healer, right? So she handed me what was called a Peterson guide to herbal medicine. And she said, take a walk around your block. So as I went through the graffiti, tripped over, you know, concrete that was not laid flat, I found 10 medicinal herbs growing in a one block radius. We had ginkgo, which helps with circulation, can help with asthma, can help with brain fog. We had burdock root growing, which helps with congested liver, helps with skin issues. There were so many plants growing in my neighborhood, it blew my mind. It blew my mind. So I really suggest that all your listeners look online and find three edible plants in their city. And when spring comes, 
just open your eyes and see what's growing around. I remember we were working once up in a Boy Scout camp and this older, older man stood up and said, when I was a young boy back in Europe, my father wanted me to go to whatever form of Boy Scouts they had. And he said, I hated it. Who cared about filtering water? Who cared about building a fire? Who cared about foraging and finding edible plants in the middle of the woods? He went, Pah. So World War II came and he ran into the woods to escape. And he said that, oh my gosh, he knew which plants were poisonous. He knew which plants were edible. He knew how to filter water and he was shocked. So when he got to the edge of the woods, and this gives me chills, because it's a true story, I heard it. He said he saw behind him all these families escaping, trying to get free. And he ended up staying in the woods for over a year, teaching people which plants you could eat and which were poisonous, how to filter water, and how to safely protect yourself. So my real feeling is, Know the edible plants in your area, even if you live in Brooklyn, New York. Now, I try not to make my medicines from my plants in Brooklyn. If you've ever been here, that's a little polluted. <laughs> but in an emergency, I got plants to help people. If all the pharmacies were shut down, there was an herbalist in Puerto Rico who said that during the last crisis they had there, all the pharmacies were shut down. All the pharmacies were shut down. There were tons of people that were on blood pressure medicine, diabetic medicine, and they didn't have electricity for almost 12 months in certain areas in, in Puerto Rico. She took her little bags of plants. She went up into the villages where people were poor and she taught them how to use the plants in their areas. How amazing is that? So. That's what I want to encourage people to make the decision to know what edible plants and medicinal herbs grow in your one block radius. Good. Well, I'm going to be taking a walk later today and uh, I might just be on the lookout. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate your time. Um, I feel like I learned a lot. Um, I will, I don't, and don't tell but I haven't used this. It's been sitting on my desk. <laughs> this this Texas cedar fever thing. <laughs> but I'll let you know. I'll give you a review, and uh, you know. Um, Absolutely, I think I'll it's be worth more. A try I'm more inspired to give it a shot now. Listening yeah, you, to you, you, be open. Um, yeah. yeah, I'll try my best. Um, tell everybody where they can find you. So I'm the author of the book Moodtopia. Tame Your Moods with Herbal Remedies, Aromatherapy, and more. Um, you can find me on Instagram as much as I teased it. It's Sarahana S. And I put up little one-minute videos about three times a week just to have people start looking and seeing at plants. You can find me on my website, which is moodtopiabook.com. And um, you can order my book and have me in your living room and hang out with me. And you can email me and send me messages and myself or my office staff will get back to you. And um, we just want to empower people to um, have the ability to make well-educated decisions for them, their loved ones, and their families. Love it. <laughs>
I was fully prepared to be skeptical of this whole conversation on oh, yeah, me too. homeopathy. 100%. 100%. Well, why were you skeptical? Why were you going to be skeptical? It sounds, it's not, I mean, with all due respect it's to Morgan, including, uh, to Morgan and Sarah Hanna, Morgan's Morgan's a big fan. Morgan's a homeopathic uh, believer. Hey, 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 she's, she's, don't talk. <laughs> don't say anything bad about her. <laughs> <laughs> Truthfully, her sexuality is none of our business but she does you know believe in alternative medicine right and uh it sounds like some hippy dippy nonsense well if it, you don't know anything you know i think if I think you don't know anything it sounds ridiculous i think there's some of that out there and i think that's the problem is that there there is some of that stuff out there that is just complete garbage yeah and it taints the whole topic and there's some stuff that that actually uh can be effective but I, but I think it gets painted with a broad brush. And so I, I think that's probably what gives you that negative attitude. Yeah. Um, there, the, the, like for me, medicine is something that I really use as a last resort anyway. And, um, when it comes, why, why do you do that? You, you make a know. decision to hold out on, yeah. on medical treatment until it's just, until you're just, until so it's like a life or death situation. <laughs> why do you do that? Well, because there's a lot of them have really uncomfortable negative consequences. A lot of them have side effects. You ever seen a pharmaceutical ad on television? Okay. They buy a 60-second <laughs> spot, and 30 okay. seconds of it is the side effect. That's, that's fair. You know? I mean, and nobody wants to talk to you about that. Right. Nobody ever does talk to you about that. I've had some bad experiences with medicine in the past. A lot of medicine that is overused has terrible consequences, like ibuprofen. Um, you know, what are the terrible consequences? If you if you use ibuprofen like daily, like a lot of people do, you're just ruining your liver. Well, who's using that daily? Lots of people. Really? Yes. You know, okay, I, I, I would challenge you, walk down the office and just like go down the hallway and just kind of grab your forehead. Okay. Don't even say anything and just okay. kind of like, oh, you know, maybe you know take you're some right. size of relief. You're right. Or size of, you know, exactly. 100% of the women are going to have ibuprofen in their purse. They're going to offer it to you as yeah. well. Drug dealers. Yeah. Drug pushing women. Yeah. <laughs> First one's free. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to get you like, hooked. And they're going to really put some pressure on you to take it. Oh, that's true. They're going to, not only are they going to suggest it, they're going to offer it and they're going to put pressure on you to take it. It's not even good enough to just hand it to you. Right. Right. And, it's not even good enough to hand it to because they know that you're not going to take it. <laughs> so, but you know, okay, but that guys, comes from guys will never pressure you to take medicine no, they, or get medical treatment. They're not at all. even going to suggest it to you. They're just, oh, hey, man. Uh, yeah, hey, maybe you. quit. Maybe quit being a little baby about your headache. <laughs> if you bring it up, you're just asking for the ridicule. So, I think that comes from a, a, a place from women where they, they want to nurture and be helpful okay, and yeah. they want you to feel better. That's good. So it's not so much that women push this ibuprofen, it's that our culture pushes it. And so they think if I'm going to help Sean out with his headache, I should offer him ibuprofen. That's the, that's step number one, not even drink a glass of water. Right. That's true. That's true. Well, yeah, so I, I think there's a lot of confusion out there on on the, the blending between, you know, what I, I, I call traditional medicine and, and uh, Sir Sean shot me down and and, and what yeah. we what we use now is modern medicine as yeah. she as she corrected me and that traditional medicine came from 
herbs and things like that, which to some degree I think is true because a lot of what we have was derived from, you know, original herbs and, th- you know, you look at aspirin, you know, that, that's a natural yeah. thing. Uh, so I think there's something to that. I think you can take it too far. And, uh, it, and she wasn't doing this, but there are people who will shun modern medicine. I think that there are people that take too, they are too quick to just accept the modern pharmaceutical solution to their problem, right? Yep. They're, they're way too quick to do it. They want an easy magic pill and they take it regardless of the side effects or in fact, without even concerning themselves with the possibility of a side effect. Okay. There are also people that are, they're crazy and they think that plants are going to solve all their problems and that they never need to, I mean, that they could avoid surgery by, you know, right. Sitting in the right moonlight. Well, on a certain I, I, th- day I think it was year. an interesting discussion. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to talking to somebody who's a homeopath and, you know, a, I don't think she called herself a nutritionist, but uh, what, did she, what did she call herself? An herbalist? Yes. Herbalist? Yeah. 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 It's good. Why are you looking at me funny? Well, because you do that sometimes. You're like, I'm looking forward to talking to, we just did. I think you get your, like, I wonder if you're an undercover time traveler. Because <laughs> you'll be like, I can't remember if we are, if this is the point. Is this the point in the movie where we well, do, are do getting ready do, to interview do her the inter- or not? Do the introduction. Do do the introduction. This isn't even when we do the introduction. What are, what are you talking? This is about? the takeaway part of the episode. No, we record. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> you remember how you started and said my takeaways are? <laughs> okay. I'm keeping all that in. <laughs> You were my takeaways are you need an eight hours night of sleep. Well, <laughs> all right. Need- so, so my, t- my takeaways are, are several. Um, one is that I, I went in, as I said, I went in fairly skeptical. I think there are three categories of this kind of stuff. There's stuff that is proven not to work, that, it, that is just complete garbage. There's stuff that is not proven to work yet, which, you know, I would call alternative medicine. There's no proof that it works. Maybe there's. Uh, indications that, um, you know, it's, it, there's a placebo effect to it. So, okay, it's not hurting anything, but there's, there's some, uh, positive effect to it. And then I think that there's things that are proven to work. Now we, we call that medicine, right? So (laughs) the things that are proven to work fall into the modern medicine category. The things that are either not yet proven to work or proven not to work are going to fall in, into uh, really a different category. But what she was talking about were these things that seem to have some beneficial uh, impact and in sort of making a decision to pair those up with uh, modern medicine, I, I think was the, I think is a good decision. I, and I, th- I think a lot of people take one path or the other. And so I think the decision to sort of blend the two is probably helpful. Okay. My takeaway is that Nothing can replace personalized advice. And once she started talking about how, as an herbalist, she is able to give customized, personalized advice to her clients, and she used examples of actually doing that, not just saying, I spend one-on-one time, like your primary care physician spends Mm -hmm. one-on-one time, the doctor at the urgent care spends one-on-one time, but they don't give necessarily personalized advice. 
And obviously I'm pretty biased when it comes to personalized advice. That's how I make a living. Mm -hmm. That's what Mm -hmm. we both do when we're not doing this. Um, I believe in that wholeheartedly. And I think that it's interesting. I'd never thought of how that could apply to medicine or health and how that could be a big benefit to someone. And, and even though I had had frustrating stories about essentially not getting personalized advice, it didn't occur to me that what I was not getting was the personalized advice that I wanted. Right. I thought I was just getting... You thought it was just bad experience. I thought I was just getting bad advice. Yeah. And I go, oh, well, it's bad advice because it's not for me. It's for generally people who might be sort of somewhat kind of in my situation a little bit. Yeah. But it's not for Sanger. Right. And pretty much no matter what we're doing, personalized advice is going to be better as long as it's from a trusted source, from an informed source, from an educated wise expert in that field it's gonna be better than generic advice all the time that's good yeah i like that thanks for listening to this episode of decidedly i hope you learned something i know i did if you thought our show was five star worthy please check us out on itunes and give us a five star review it really helps out a lot helps people find our community and defeat bad decision making in their own lives check us out at decidedlypodcast.com and on Facebook and Instagram at Decidedly Podcast. Until next time, I'm Sanger Smith with Sean Smith. This is Decidedly. Insights, advice, and comments provided by Sean Smith, Sanger Smith, and speakers identified as part of the Decidedly Podcast should not be considered recommendations. Speakers who are not identified as members of Decidedly are expressing their own opinion, and their statements should not be construed as reflecting the views of the Decidedly team. This podcast is produced solely for informational purposes, not personalized advice.